The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to No Compromise with the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. This week we're discussing the Dobbs decision, the dissenting opinion, Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor, authored by Justice Kagan. Okay, my love, so it's been another busy week recording the dissent and uh, deciding what we're going to speak about. Well, I think we should start by saying, if you haven't read it, listen to it. Make sure you check out The Christian Atheist, the podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps or YouTube. That's right. Hashtag read the decision. If we don't know what we're talking about, we're not representing our position very well. Correct. So it's been a busy week for you. Yes. And a week of discovery. Yeah, it's been very interesting. I've learned a lot as I've read this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what started out as I'm going to read the dissent, and we'll read it slowly and, and, and get it out there, ended up being explosive. Would you say it's explosive? Well, yeah, I mean, because of the amount of information that we sort of processed as we worked our way through it, it became almost exemplary of everything we've been talking about on the Christian Atheist since the very beginning. Right, right, exactly. And it became a week of discovery. For sure. You've been extremely busy. <laughs> well, July 4th, and then, of course, um, all of the, the work involved in no, this. No, I'm talking about you've been extremely busy researching. Oh, that's true. Yes. Um, tearing it apart. Finding new articles to, to backing up what we've been yeah, talking about. Yeah, and also, um, you, I mean, you went all the way back and read Roe versus Wade. Not the decision exactly, but read the history of Roe versus Wade. I mean, you've been... You've been digging extremely deep into this. Yeah, we, we've spent a lot of time researching, for and sure. Not only has it been um, a discovery about what's going on right now, but it also, if, you, if you've listened to The Christian Atheist, you know that John um, started out his journey by wanting to know, why do they hate America? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was like how many years ago? Well, that was back in the 80s. Right. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, even as a, a student in school? elementary school, elementary um, I school? was starting to question, wait a second, Noticing. what is this? Um, why do we always blame America first for everything? And uh, that was uh, um, something that sort of puzzled me for years. Right. So that was like 100 years ago, right? <laughs> That's what it seems. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was like, that was probably about a 40 year journey. Uh, yeah. And this has really, really opened your eyes. Extremely so. How and much would you say? made me much more confident in, in the conclusions that I've drawn. Mm-hmm. And how much would, it, would you say it opened your eyes? How much? Oh, well, you- this, this dissent was a, a real journey for me because as I read it the first time through, um, it, was, it was almost as though I was persuaded by the argument that I've been looking at things incorrectly. Right. You started um, out by saying, wow, this is really well written. Yes. Then yeah. you started saying, well, you know, these arguments are really well done. Yep. And and, and, and persuasive. St- right. And so you started digging. And exactly. Researching. Um, and now. And checking the logic. And, and understanding. If, if I had not 
had the background that I have in Hegel and in philosophy, right. um, the whole thing would have been incredibly persuasive to me. I'm not sure I could have fought my way out of it. Right. And that's why what you have, yeah, your experience and your previous Christian atheists all point to this, right. all lead to this, all, what would you say? It laid the, the groundwork for this. Yeah. It's almost as if, it's almost as if there's divine guidance exactly. going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, everything leading up to this, it's like it prepared me for this moment to be able to um, read this and understand it and see where it's going and why it's going the way that it's going. And before you even started, your attitude was, before you read The Descent, what was your attitude? Um, well, it's, it's the same attitude I try to approach everything. Um, I want to find the truth. And whatever the truth is, that's where I'll follow it. Um, this has been an amazing moment of discovery in reading this and, and tracing the logic, which one of the things that, that the, the um, descent points out is that there is a logic to the law. And they use this, of course, as a way of arguing against the decision that was made in the Dobbs decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, and I think they have a really good point. In fact, that's kind of where we wanted to start today. With I was going to say what, to you, yes, that's the first question I wanted to ask you. Um, I wanted you to explain to everybody what the dissent gets right. Yeah, I don't think that the dissent is a disaster. Um, I think it is a, a very good representation of the opposing philosophies that our country is now embroiled in. Mm -hmm. um, the right versus the left Although in many ways in our country, the right has been so accommodating for so many years, the distinction between right and left has really gotten blurred. And I'm less concerned about that than what I am with, with the truth. Right. Um, so what does the dissent get right? Mm -hmm. The dissent is a very good representation of a leftist view of America and the world. It does a fantastic job. It's consistent yes. with that ideology. Um, that is, it, it's not, <laughs> I hate to say it's not contradicting itself mm -hmm. because the leftist ideology is in many ways a living contradiction. That is what Hegelian philosophy is all about. Right. It uses contradiction to drive the narrative forward, um, to create the world. Uh, so it's 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 consistent with leftist ideology. That is, it's consistently inconsistent, um, and, and I don't mean that as a critique. I mean it's consistent with itself. Um, it's not consistent with a lot of other things, but it is consistent with itself, with a leftist ideological stance. Yeah, you're not saying it's correct. I'm not saying it's correct. In fact, I'm saying it's exactly the opposite. It's something right. that I oppose myself to with every fiber of my being because I understand it. But I understand they, what it is, but they did a very, a very good job. Fantastic presenting. job presenting exactly presenting it. And if you understand that the left is dominated by an ends justify the means morality, that is a consequentialist morality. Whatever end we are seeking, the means that we choose to get to it are justified, so long as the end is served. Exactly. Um, and they do a fantastic job in this dissent, representing that position. Um, the, the second thing that I would say that they get right um, is that they make the point that the legal logic mm -hmm. of, the, of the majority opinion 
cannot be sequestered. That is, look, there are going to be results that come from this. Mm -hmm. And among those things, of course, they want to assert that what will happen is a Bergefell will get overturned. Yeah. Um, and, and many of the other supposed rights that have been created by the left over the last yeah. 50 years yeah. will be undermined. Um, and I don't fault that logic. I mm -hmm. think they're exactly right. Logic does have a way of continuing to work itself out in the direction in which we point it. Right. Um, and so, al although I can agree with the majority that this particular decision does not necessarily undermine um, the, the other things that are being targeted, um, Justice Thomas is no idiot. He right. himself understands that this logic, the logic of the decision, will take us somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm much less afraid of that than I am of the position we were following mm -hmm. under uh, the Roe versus Wade precedent and the, the leftist logic that instantiates everything that's going on in law these days. Okay, so that's another thing that gets right. The, yeah. the logic of the decision cannot be sequestered. It will go somewhere. Right. Um, the third point I would like to, to make that they get right is Justice Kagan is extremely rhetorically effective. This dissent is incredibly well-crafted mm -hmm. to serve the purpose of the legal logic that they are serving. As I said, as I read the dissent with all of that I've studied over the years mm -hmm. um, and all of my own understanding of the leftist logic, this was enough to make me question where I stood on things and yes. whether or not I had it right. Right. It pushed you. It pushed me. It, it pushed really you did. To evaluate. It pushed me yeah. to evaluate everything again. To evaluate honestly. Right. To try very hard to recognize what it is they were getting right, right. and where um, where perhaps the majority got it wrong. And with an open mind. I, I try to approach everything right. with an open mind. But, you know, I mean I have I have a decision in mind so there's there's no doubt that I, like everyone else, engage in a form of motivated reasoning. Right. But I try my best to be mm -hmm. objective about things. And like I said, um, like I've always said throughout The Christian Atheist, we've chosen that name very exactly. carefully <laughs> because I have both, both mindsets mm -hmm. in my tool chest. Um, and when I read something like this, there are two parts of me responding. And the part that really understands the leftist logic cannot help but admire the, um, the strength of the legal logic mm -hmm. that Justice Kagan and the others brought to this, specifically Justice right. Kagan. She's a very good writer. Right. Um, the next point that I think they get right is they point to the fact that this decision, the Dobbs decision reversing Roe versus Wade, is radical. Exactly. Um, it is a radical reversal. Except we've had what's that? I was going to say except the original decision, you know, Roe versus Wade, it was just as radical. It was, you and know? we shouldn't be surprised then if we're going to reverse course. When you're driving one way, you've got to go 180 degrees to go back the other way. Exactly. So of course it's going to be a radical reversal. Next, the dissent makes the point that this decision does not simplify the issue for the courts or for the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's right. Yes. Um, it, it's not going to make things easier, uh -huh. especially not initially. 
because it throws us out of one regime right. into another one. Into the regime of the people? Right, into the regime <laughs> of the people, right? Allowing the people to make the decision. Exactly. But it moves us from a federal, a federal level back to the level of the states. Right. And the states are not quite ready for this. They, they have lived under this national regime of uh, abortion being legal, and now they have to come up with legislation to decide the issue. But don't you think the states have had 50 years, or at least 30 years, since Casey? <laughs> the people of the states, we've discussed it and discussed it in the states. I mean, even some of the states have already... The trigger laws. The trigger laws. Right. So there are so some the, for sure. Yeah, I think, don't you think within the states there's been a lot of... Right. Yeah, there's some just, preparation. Uh, I mean, you've had 20 years after Roe, then comes Casey, and it got reignited again. And so then people were like, you know, this could get overturned at some time. Do you know what I mean? Don't you think in, when, when Casey happened, there was more of an idea in everybody's head that, hey, this might get overturned you know, at some point? I think pro-lifers Pro, exactly. were definitely thinking about it. Yeah, and so and, since then... And they've, they've tried to craft legislation. Right. But that's, not going to, that's going to be cold comfort for anybody yeah, who's right. on the left side of the equation. Right. But leftist states are going to have to craft legislation as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I don't think they're ready because they never expected Roe to, right. to be overturned. Right. Um, and I think are shocked by it mm -hmm. and uh, will have to craft legislation. Right. Um, but the left loves chaos, so yeah. they should be able to do just fine with that. <laughs> um, and as well, uh, sort of under that same heading, I think we can concede that there will be bad laws, bad results, and tragedies for some women as a result of this being overturned. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> what they never seem to want to place into the balance is the fact of all of the tragedies and horrors that resulted from Roe itself. Right. And uh, sorry, it was time to overturn this and try something different um, because it was a disaster mm -hmm. running it the way that they did from the, from the top down. Right. And what um, tragedies? Uh, the 63 million children, for one thing, killed. Not to mention, um, I mean, every, every woman who has an abortion, it isn't a wonderful thing for them. Right. It isn't something that 20 years later they don't, Regret, maybe right, or, and it was a disaster for the court. Yeah, an absolute disaster for the for the Supreme mm -hmm. Court because the people came to think that law that rights come right. from the Supreme Court. Right, it's never the place of the Supreme Court to create right. rights out of whole cloth, right. and that's what Roe did. Mm -hmm. And the people then start to think that that's the role of the Supreme Court, and it damages our constitutional system. Right. Um. Okay. So. There will be consequences from this. I think mm -hmm. we can all concede that. And we as uh, we on this side should not be afraid to admit, yeah, there will be consequences. Right. Some of them will be, we hope, we think that most of them will be good. Right. But that doesn't mean we have to run away from the fact that we human beings screw things up all the time. Exactly. And the legislatures are not going to get this right. They've had 50 years in which they've been pretty much not able to do anything exactly. on this issue. And now the trial and error mm -hmm. thing begins that should have been in place for the last 50 years. And maybe we could have resolved more of this had we had stuck to the original way of doing things. Um, the original anyway. way of doing what things? 
uh, of regulating abortion at the level of the states. Giving um, it to the states to right. regulate. It never should have been taken from the states. Right. The federal power grab should never have occurred. Instead of short-circuiting the democratic process by judicial fiat, violating these historical and legal precedent, that as the dissent itself says on page 5, things decided should stay decided unless there is a very good reason for change, end quote. This, they say, is, quote, a doctrine of judicial modesty and humility, end quote. A humility they invoke against the majority here, but refuse to recognize their own egregious violation of with Roe. A radical mistake can only be reversed by a radical correction. Uh, and another thing that I think the dissent points to is that this, this is will... Good. Another thing that it got right? Another thing that the dissent got right is that they pointed to the, the results of this decision causing problems. And I think there is an essential embitterment that we are seeing play out in the country right now. Um, and that's one way of giving the benefit of the doubt to those who are expressing their anger, their frustration with the court. Okay, we can understand that. We can give the benefit of the doubt. Eventually, we've got to get past this rage and this anger and start dealing with the new situation, as we had to after Roe. And the left has to take its proper role, which has been distorted for the last 150 years by the Hegelian danger of this ideology that has invaded the left. The proper role of the left is to watch what's going on in society and warn us about dangers that can hurt the most vulnerable among us, including women. So keep watching out for women, leftists. We want you to. We need you to, but it's time that we did something different than this regime that has killed 63 million children and has not, as Casey set out as a goal, resolved the national debate and, quote, balanced the interests of all parties. Try to be compassionate. Try to be nice outside the limited realm of your blinders. This is something you pride yourself on. But uh, niceness, um, niceness to a fault is cruelty, and that's what it's become. And if you don't want to see it as just the babies, the 63 million babies, there's also, as I was saying before, multitudes of women who have regretted their abortions and who, have, um, who are suffering now because of the abortions that they've had since the 1970s, thinking about child from 1973 that would be 51 52 years old right now 51 yeah yeah the explosion of abortions after roe right um has reduced our population significantly um and had significant um negative effects on the psychology of women and the last thing that they are right about we've already actually covered this right. but the last thing there will be serious consequences for women from this ruling and we need to watch out for them. And we need to craft our legislation carefully. Um, I, there are consequences to every law, good and bad. Um, but when we decide to craft laws based on our view of what the consequences will be, we are running a dangerous course because the law is something that proceeds by tradition and 
if we change it, we should change it slowly, not radically, because consequences are notoriously difficult to predict or control. And Roe was the poster child for radical change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that sort of covers what I wanted to follow about what the dissent got right. Mm -hmm. One thing you mentioned, I think, today in our walk, was it today when you said that this was a law issue and they're trying to make it out to be a legislative issue? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of the problems, I think, with the whole, the whole Roe decision. Right. Is that it took, I, I mean, we mentioned up above just a little while ago uh -huh. that um, it did damage to the court. Mm -hmm. One of the ways in which it damaged the court is that it, it blurred the distinction. Right. No, it destroyed the distinction between the legislative branch of government and the judicial branch. The legislative branch crafts the laws. The judicial branch judges whether or not those laws comport with the Constitution. Right. And, this and has, Roe this was not a judicial decision. Right. It was a it was a legislative decision. They crafted a law and imposed it upon the nation. And I think the people of this nation need to realize that this they need to separate this from their feelings about whether abortion is right or wrong. Right. And yeah, need, the procedure was bad. Yeah, you need to look at it in an entirely different way. You need to look at it through the lens of law, law in general. Of the separation <laughs> of the powers of government. Mm -hmm. We all learned, at least they used to teach civics in school. Now it's to their advantage not to teach them so they don't. But we used to all learn, those of you who are our age will remember, that there are three branches of government. And the point of having three separate branches of government is that they are checks and balances. Well, Roe destroyed mm -hmm. the notion of checks and balances. It became the legislative branch. And the left, from that point forward, has looked to the Supreme Court to legislate their agenda for them. And that was wrong. It was a destruction of the process. It was a destruction of stare decisis, which they want to scream so loudly about in this case, right? They ignored tradition. They ignored the structure of the democratic society. And they had contempt and continue to have contempt for the Constitution of the United States. And that's why they felt free to take upon themselves the mantle of legislation. Mm -hmm. And they've continued to follow the logic of that law. Right. They've continued to follow the logic of that that legal philosophy. They are continuing to legislate from the bench. They've done it over and over and over again. And as they said about this Dobbs decision, the logic will play out. It necessarily does. And it has over the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it's time to turn it back. Because the radicalism that has, a, has invaded our country is ripping it to shreds. And I know they want to constantly say that this is all the right, but it's not. I've studied this for most of my life. And the radicalism that has invaded our society, the reason that we are at each other's throats is that we have, we have imposed from the top down a view of a country that is not in line with the historical development 
of human society. It's ripping us to shreds. Yes. And if it's going to rip us to shred, shreds the, um, the issue of abortion, then it should be done at the state level, not at the uh, federal level. At least that allows us to, um, to express our ideas about the issue. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do what Roe does and say, this half of the population Sit down and shut up. You've got nothing to say about this process. We've decided the answer. You've got no more input. And this was the Supreme Court. And this was the Supreme Court. (laughs) That's not what what you were just trying to explain, that that's not the Supreme Court's job. Right. And it was given to them, handed to them, that, that job, and it it leaked their job leaked over into the legislative branch and we want to put that wall back up right i would and say they arrogated it right it's not the conservatives did not do this yeah the left took the authority well and legislated say, from the bench i say we as we as a people allowed it yeah we did that's yeah. true and so but we <laughs> what are we going to do right. conservatives follow the law mm-hmm. that's what we do exactly. and that's what we did with roe we said, oh, we don't like this from the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, but it's the law of the land. We'll try to change it as best right. we can. Right. What does the left do? Mm-hmm. Well, we're about to see, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, so the wall in this Supreme Court decision, the wall went back up where here's the Supreme Court. And here's the leg- well, here's the judicial branch. Correct. Here's the legislative branch. Correct. Oh, that is and such if, an important point. If people can just realize that, you can debate abortion all you want, but we've just put that wall back up again, right. and we reestablished. There's two different branches. Right. One does not legislate. Right. The judicial. Yep. And the other does legislate. Correct. And then what the Supreme Court's going to do is say, Mm -hmm. let's look at these laws as they come to us and decide, are they constitutional or not constitutional? And if you are, if you are out there saying that the Supreme Court needs to, needs to protect the right of, you know, whatever, abortion, whatever, then you're saying that you want the Supreme Court to legislate, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what the left is embracing when they're saying the Supreme Court should never have overturned this. We want the court to give us rights. Right. Um, And and this is actually one, (laughs) since we've raised it, one of the fundamental distinctions between the two visions of of law. Mm -hmm. One thinks that the rights of human beings are given by other human beings Mm -hmm. who create the laws. Most of the legal theorists on the right believe that law comes from God, or, if you prefer, from nature. That we are given rights as human beings. And of course, this goes back to the whole abortion issue, right? You're either a human being or you're not. And we in the right tend to think that when, as soon as the, the sperm and the egg come together, there's a human being there. Whereas the left wants to say, no, it's not. It's just a clump of cells. Right. The problem with that is then when do when? you decide when a human being is a human being? Because for them, the world is literally constructed, more or less, of a tissue of human decisions. This is the doctrine that's often called or referred to as social constructivism. And, and when, what happens when Roe versus Wade 
came out in 1973, what was the viability? Right. Viability became the dividing point. But what was it? Oh, it was, I don't know, like 30 weeks or something. The first trime, after the first trimester, they said you are allowed to regulate. Yeah. And now medically, we're able to. Medically, viability has pushed it back. Yes. Much earlier. Right. Um, And and so it's an arbitrary line. And in fact, if, if you want to follow the science, science has pretty much shown us that one, there is life from the, from the time of, of conception. When the egg and the cell come together, there is life. And it is life that is distinct because it has half the DNA of its mother, half the DNA of the father. And the, mother, the mother's body is a distinct body from that of the fetus. That is what the scientific facts are. Right. So drawing an arbitrary line, once again, as we talked about following the logic, if we draw, if we can draw, if we are allowed to draw an arbitrary line, we end up doing exactly what the left is doing. We follow the logic. Mm-hmm. And so we end up having abortion later and later mm-hmm. and later. And now it's like pre-birth abortions. Mm-hmm. And they're even talking about, eh, let's even see a week or so afterwards. You see the logic there. The logic is, you're not a human being unless we decide you are a human right. being. And that means that historically, all we have to do is look at the crimes of the, the, the mass crimes, the horrors of the 20th century, when the Soviets got into power and decided that the kulaks were inhuman mm-hmm. and therefore we can just justifiably liquidate them. Mm-hmm. The Nazis could liquidate the Jews because they're subhuman. Okay. No, 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 no. Peter Singer's proposals that we could kill infants to the ages of three or four years old was not an outlier. It is the natural progression of a consequentialist utilitarian ethic. If the line between human and non-human is arbitrary, then look out, folks, Mm -hmm. because you're next. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're seeing some of that already with the woke culture. You either agree with them or you're a monster. Mm -hmm. There is no room for disagreement. And this is precisely what happens in the leftist ideology. Okay. So let's get back on topic. So you done with all those points? Um, I'm I've definitely done with all of those. Yes. Okay. Okay. You started talking about balance, and we talked. We discussed the balance that was set up in the Constitution between the judicial, legislative, executive branch. Um, if you go into the original opinion, the majority opinion by mm-hmm. Justice Alito, right? Uh, he has some balance remarks that maybe maybe you should maybe you should quote those remarks and 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 let's talk about how the balance remarks in light of the dissent i would like to read page uh page 37 to 38 um justice alito's uh, a paragraph from justice alito's opinion quote the most striking feature of the dissent is the absence of any serious discussion of the legitimacy of the state's interest in protecting fetal life This is evident in the analogy that the dissent draws between the abortion right and the rights recognized in Griswold, contraception, Eisenstadt, same, Lawrence, sexual conduct with member of the same sex, and Obergefell, same-sex marriage. Perhaps this is designed to stoke unfounded fear that our decision will imperil those other rights. But the dissent's analogy is objectionable for a more important reason. 
what it reveals about the dissent's views on the protection of what Roe called potential life. The exercise of the rights at issue in Griswold, Eisenstadt, Lawrence, and Obergefell does not destroy a potential life, but an abortion has that effect. So if the rights at issue in those cases are fundamentally the same as the right recognized in Roe and Casey, the implication is clear. The Constitution does not permit the states to regard the destruction of a potential life as a matter of any significance. Now, we will see when I look at the dissent that they object very vociferously against this characterization of their opinion. Now, to go on, Justice Alito says this, that view is evident throughout the dissent. The dissent has much to say about the effects of pregnancy on women, the burdens of motherhood, and the difficulties faced by poor women. These are important concerns. However, the dissent evinces no similar regard for a state's interest in protecting prenatal life. The dissent repeatedly praises the balance in scare quotes. That the viability line strikes between a woman's liberty interest and the state's interest in prenatal life. Okay, so I'd like to stop there. So this this issue of balance, um, I know that this struck you. Boy, it hit me hard. Exactly. <laughs> you said it over and over and over again. Right, and, and when I saw it, I thought to myself, this is central. This is a central point, although I didn't really understand myself at that point how very central it was mm -hmm. to become until reading The Descent this week. Right. Um, okay. And that's why right. The Descent is extremely important to read for yourself or if you don't have time to listen to it. Yeah. I, I, I strongly it. encourage yeah. both sides right. to read both sides right. of, of this decision. The dissent and the majority opinion, because together they make up a single document. That's why the Supreme Court actually puts them out together. Um, it is important to understand both. So let me turn now to what the dissent says about this issue of balance. Because we have two diametrically opposed views here of what's going on, and it well exemplifies the double think mm -hmm. that I That's say comes from the left Thanks on this issue, and remember, on every issue, because double think is actually synonymous with the left thinking, um, because they're Hegelians. And this is why you say they get it right with expressing exactly who they are and what. Right. Yeah, they do a great job expressing this is a good example their point of what you were talking about. This is going to be a good example of what you're talking about. Okay, so as I read the dissent mm -hmm. over and over again, as the majority pointed out, we get this word balance from the dissenting um, justices, as though this is the central point for them that Roe and Casey struck a balance. Um, and then they object to the fact that. Uh, the majority scoffs, and they actually use that term, yeah. at their balance. And let me read from page 11 the footnote that refers to their consternation at what the majority has said about their about the dissent. Okay. Um, okay, so bottom of page 11. For this reason, we do not understand the majority's view that our analogy between the right to an abortion 
and the rights to contraception and same-sex marriage, shows that we think, quote, the Constitution does not permit the states to regard the destruction of a potential life as a matter of any significance. To the contrary, the liberty interests underlying those rights are, as we will describe, quite similar. But only in the sphere of abortion is the state interest in protecting potential life involved. So only in that sphere, as both Roe and Casey recognized, may a state impinge so far on the liberty interest, barring abortion after viability and discouraging it before. The majority's failure to understand this fairly obvious point stems from its rejection of the idea of balancing interests in this, or maybe in any, constitutional context. The majority thinks that a woman has no liberty or equality interest in the decision to bear a child, so a state's interest in protecting fetal life necessarily prevails. This issue became central to me because as I read through the dissent, I thought to myself, wow, they're right. They really are balancing the interests. And as I read it more closely still, I became even more convinced that I had it wrong, that they were, in fact, balancing the interests, and that it wasn't fair for the majority to put that term in, quote, scare quotes, and accuse them of not balancing the equation between the state's interest in fetal life and, and the woman's rights. But as I thought further and further about it, I realized what was going on, right. something that the left really loves to do. Mm-hmm. They love to hide what it is they're actually doing behind words. Exactly. And so what happened is Roe decided the moral question. A child, a fetus, has no rights. It is only an interest of the state. Right. This is the level of the balance that they struck. An abortion must weigh concrete interests between right holders if a baby is a human being. Turning it into a state's interest in potential life turns the balance into one between concrete interest, the woman's, Mm -hmm. and an abstract interest. So, even though the majority uses this same language, the majority recognizes that a state is representing a client, a subject, a right holder. That is, they are the lawyer for a client. But for the left, the state is the only interest available. Mm -hmm. There is no No, client behind them. So it's weighing the concrete, very, very concrete rights of the woman Mm -hmm. against an abstract Abstract. right of the state. Um, And therefore, in deciding it, what are they balancing? They're balancing an empty equation. Mm There is no balance, no balance at all. And putting it into scare quotes is precisely the right move. Mm -hmm. There was no balance struck. The whole ball of wax went to the woman. With the state retaining a seemingly arbitrary, abstract right of interference with the woman's right, the concrete interest ceased to exist because by legal right, it could be terminated by the woman. Okay, so that reminds me of that analogy that we discussed this week. Yeah. Remember? Right. The analogy of Bambi and And Alice. And Alice Alice and Bambi. (laughs) Alice and Bambi. 
<laughs> Actually, it was the, it came from the A and B because uh -huh. I was thinking I was thinking something in Bubba, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> and then you Adam. suggested the name. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Adam and Bubba. Yeah, and uh, you said no. Why don't you do uh, Alice and Bambi? I said that's really good. <laughs> um, so Alice and Bambi, we have a real estate, um, a a real estate conflict of law between Alice and Bambi. Alice owns a plot of land. Mm -hmm. And only recently discovers that there is a fawn on her land. She wants the fawn, Bambi, gone. But an interfering animal rights group has demanded that Bambi too has rights. After all, right? right. Deer have lived from time immemorial in the forests in the land. Alice, they claim, does not have the right to evict Bambi from her land, even though they are they are not in any way saying that that Alice's rights to the land are invalid. Mm -hmm. They agree that Alice has the right to the land. Um, so Alice wants Bambi gone, but the animal rights group takes up Bambi's legal cause. And after hearing the arguments for both sides, the court, quote, balances the interests. Here, then, is the, the court's solution to the problem. Alice has three months in which she can choose to terminate Bambi. But if she doesn't do so within those three months, the interests of the animal rights group must be honored. That is the balance of Roe and Casey. Yeah, yes, so... In the analogy, Bambi's rights are not assumed. Right. They're not assumed. They are in dispute legally. Okay. Just like just like those of the fetus. Exactly. Right. Right. The the animal rights group represents Bambi just as the the state represents the fetus in Roe versus Wade and mm -hmm. in Casey. Exactly. And they're what they're doing is claiming rights for for Bambi or for mm -hmm. the fetus. And that's the whole substance of the case. Right. I mean, that's the point of the case. We want the fetus to have rights. And that's what we're asking the court to decide. Yeah. Um, so what is the status of the fetus? Is it a subject? Right. And so anyone, I mean, anyone can see, especially like as in your analogy with the animal rights activist, that balances is a sham. Yeah, the, the court is not balancing the right. interests of the of the parties. They're allowing one of the parties to be destroyed. Right. Just as the majority decision claims, when Alito called their um, called their balance a sham, called when yeah. when he put balance in scare quotes, he was making it clear that there really is no balance achieved in this decision. Right. So if Bambi can be terminated at Alice's whim, regardless of when it is, there's no balance of interest at all. No. And and in fact, also, in, in making the decision that they make, the moral quandary, that is the whole point of this, what really is dividing us as a nation, has also been decided by court fiat. Bambi, the fetus, if it can be killed, is not a subject. It has no rights. It is not a human being, since life is a condition of having rights. Exactly. The court has taken upon itself the 
the role of legislator of morality in chief. They decided the moral question, not, not the judicial question. And the moral question does not belong to the judicial branch. And this is, again, this is a law issue. Right. They've created a law. Exactly. They have not balanced the law. I meant to say, this is an issue about law, not about morality. But it sh- that's what the role of the courts right, is. Right. That's what I'm, yes. trying, I'm trying to get back yep. to. I'm trying to come back around to um, everybody's looking at it. Everywhere you turn, everybody's looking at it as a morality issue. Right. Um, or a right issue, and this is the decision has to do with law. Right. So the Supreme Court is supposed to be balancing law. Exactly. And that means a balance between parties. And I can't, and so I have, they, I, as they, I've been talking about this with other people uh-huh. from the left, they have like hit me over and over again. Don't you understand that it's all about balancing? Yeah. Yes, I understand that the law is about balancing when you go to the courts. That is so condescending uh-huh. which is again what the left constantly does right. they and and that's what <laughs> that's what the dissent constantly does uh-huh. it tells us over and over again about the difficulties of women in childbirth mm-hmm. okay is that a surprise to any of us right. is it a surprise to people on the on the right that that pe- that women struggle in childbirth mm-hmm. this has been the nature of through all of human history it's mm-hmm. been the nature of women having to deal with the issues of childbirth and it's not pleasant and it's not always wonderful that's the reality and we'll get to this later too this reveals another element of the left yeah they do not live connected to reality. Exactly. They want to rewrite reality. Okay, and right there, that's where we get to probably our final point, huh? Um, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's getting long, huh? Um, well, Micaiah did say she'd like it could go even longer. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, tracing the origin back to its source, I think that's a good place to, to finish this. There's one thing I've learned from philosophy, studying philosophy is that disagreements very seldom occur at the level at which the disagreement is taking place. Mm -hmm. We have to go back farther and farther to find where the disagreement originates. What is it that we are fundamentally disagreeing about? And I think abortion is one of those issues, right? We say that maybe if, if we trace it back and we say, okay, one side believes that a human being is present at the time of conception. And the other side believes that human beings come into being later, right? So that the, uh, initially there is a clump of cells, right. and those cells differentiate and slowly divide and become um, the, the structure of the human being. And eventually, and at some arbitrary, arbitrary point, point that we draw, they cease to be a clump of cells and become human life. Um, and if, if you believe that, it is completely rational to think that it's okay to abort it. And so we see that the, the distinction between the two is not that either side is being irrational. Mm-hmm. It's, that they're basing their, it's that they're basing their opinions on what they believe to be the case. In other words, they're taking a metaphysical position on the, on the fetus. Right. On coming the nature it, of the fetus. Coming at it from a different... 
an entirely different thing. So mm-hmm. where you start really determines where you go. The logic is not different between left and right. Well, I say that, I better be careful because it <laughs> is different. They've adopted a, a, a Hegelian logic, mm-hmm. which is, whew, well, that's a whole nother story. If you, if, <laughs> you, if you can wanna, listen to... Yeah, if you want to listen to the... Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what, what episodes does that The episodes on Hegel. Do you know what um, numbers they are? No, I'm not sure which okay. numbers they are okay. on our podcast. Um, I begin to talk of there about the, the nature of Hegelian logic. Mm-hmm. But there is something logical about the reasoning on the left, right? If, you, if, if the fetus is not a human being, then why would it be wrong to abort it, right? We can all agree with that. If it's just something else, of course, there are contradictions there with the left too, mm-hmm. because it's, it's not okay to kill a puppy. Right. But it is fine to kill a couple of cells that may potentially become a human being. So there's a contradiction there too. Like you had, we you had mentioned last week. You said, "What if it was 65 million unborn puppies?" Right. That we were yeah. in a pup in a in a puppy mill. If in the past 50 years the right had passed a law yeah. that that killed 63 million um, puppies. Uh, boy, the left would have gone ballistic over that. And they would be screaming about the, the horrors that we've produced. Right. And yet, potential even life? Unborn. Eh. Unborn puppies, you think? Yeah, even unborn puppies they would probably be horrified by. Sure. Unless, of course, the, the mother dog had decided she didn't want them. Right. Then it would have been okay, I guess. Because that's pro-choice. Right, but um, but if we had killed puppies, preborn puppies, um, it would be an entirely different issue at this point. Um, anyway, and, and there's also, um, but at the same time, you know, in a real reality, um, not you know, not in the world of puppies, but in reality, you have all the women in Afghanistan or in the Middle East. You know, their rights are being trampled, right? And you don't hear an outcry. No. But you hear an outcry here about the right of the woman to abort her baby. Right. But over, the, but in the Middle East, the women have true suppression. Right. Yeah, and there's almost never I mean, a word about it because I mean, unbelievable suppression. That, but that follows the left's logic mm-hmm. because again, it is a logic of contradiction. Mm-hmm. They embrace contradiction, right. and therefore, um, what happens over there is a cultural issue, and we yeah. can't we can't judge their culture. Yeah. We can judge our own culture, but we can't judge their culture. Yeah. In fact, it is a mandate to the left mm-hmm. to judge our culture mm-hmm. and find it wanting. Yeah, it is it is what they do. If you remember, we talked earlier in this podcast mm-hmm. about my trying to understand from a child up right. why there seems to be a segment of our population that finds fault with everything we do. Right. And that was what set me off on trying to understand this. It's what drove me into philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, along the way, I got so interested in, in the left that I started to buy into an awful lot of it. Right. And I had slid quite far until I met you <laughs> and came back to Christ and realized, holy cow, all of that was a sliding a sliding into oh who was it that wrote the book slouching towards gomorrah it was the it was the supreme court nominee uh-huh. um that was shot down 
back, I guess it was in Reagan's time, to be Borked. Borked. Yeah, Judge Bork. Um, he was shot down and crucified yeah. by the left. Yeah. Um, and he wrote a book called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. And that is the tactic mm -hmm. of the left. It starts with a small concession, mm -hmm. and then it moves the goalposts. Mm -hmm. And so you can see it actually in our culture. Our generation was sort of the first generation that grew up with Roe. Right. And we still had some conservative values that said, wait a second, we ought to be careful with this mm -hmm. and we ought to care about the child. But we can see how it's moved from there. Mm -hmm. um, it's gotten to the point now that abortion should be on demand and even past birth. Right, and, they're even proposing that. Yeah, and that reminds me of the article we we just read that today. Um, how they went to well, the article is abortion involves killing, and that's okay. By Sophie Long in in the Nation, it was it was just last month. Normalizing killing, getting us to think in terms of, yeah, we're killing a baby, and we should be okay with right. that. Right. In fact, we'll post we'll post that in our comments so that you can yeah. visit that article yeah. yourself. And maybe next week we we'll can. read it and comment on as, we, as we go. Maybe you can right. do that for no compromise. And a lot of times you might say, not you, but in you in general, might say, oh, we'll never get to that point. Right. Yeah. But we are. I mean, this is the senior editor at Scholastic Press, um, Emily S-E-I-F-E, -E, not sure how you say her last name. Um, she's looking for young adult books, um, include stories about their abortions, because she says that these stories need to be told and normalized. Well, and, and, and it plays into this article where we are normalizing the killing, and we are going to say, we, yes, we are killing. Right. We are killing. And yet, that may have been, that may have been the goal all along. Right. But you can see how it was slowly developed. Right. They keep turning up, they keep turning up the temperature in the water. And we as Americans have sat in it for so long. And I think this generation is like evidence of it. Mm -hmm. They're utterly blase mm -hmm. about the fact of killing a, yes. of, of, of a baby. And they, because we've been told when, we first, when abortion first started out that it should be extremely rare, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and safe. And okay, that actually is a compelling argument, mm -hmm. but that's not where it stayed. No, um, it, it started with Roe in the first trimester, and then the abortionists kept pushing it farther and farther and farther back. And the farther it went, the more accustomed we became to the whole thing, and then we became accepting of more and more. Mm -hmm. And the broad issue is, we talked about tracing these things back to the origin, mm -hmm. is that this is the established procedure of the left. From Antonio Gramsci, the mm -hmm. philosopher, the Italian philosopher of the early 20th century, to Rudi Deutschke, in, in 1967 or right. 68, who set, called it the long march through the institutions. Right. The plan is to undermine all of those things that keep the socialist revolution from coming about. Mm -hmm. This is not a speculative thing on my part. Mm -hmm. This is not something that I'm making up. It is clear in the socialist literature. You can look at it for yourself. Um, Marcuse, 
The idea is we will subvert all of the constant, all of the institutions in the West that are preventing the socialist revolution, and we will find a way to make it happen. Because we can't rely on what Marx thought would happen with the uprising of the proletariat. So we will manufacture it. And they have successfully been doing it. We are replicating Mao's cultural revolution in the United States now. And if we do not turn it back, and Roe versus Wade for me has been the one moment in the past 50 years, excuse me, and the Dobbs decision has been the one moment overturning Roe versus Wade in the last 50 years that gives me hope Mm -hmm. that we might be able to turn the tide back. If we don't, we're in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. And do you want to go back even further than Hegel? (laughs) (laughs) You said that they don't live in reality, that uh, reality is not something that's given to us, but it's something that we construct. This is the doctrine of social constructivism, and it is inherent in the leftist thinking um, from way back. In fact, all the way back through Hegel and his most famous disciple, Marx. And I have something here from Marx that I would love to to share with you. You need to read that. Um, This is from Marx's A Contribution to the Critique of Hegel's Philosophy of Right. And I want to read. Um, from the first few paragraphs of this piece. Marx says, Man makes religion. Religion does not make man. Religion is indeed the self-consciousness and self-esteem of man who has either not yet won through to himself or has already lost himself again. But man is no abstract being squatting outside the world. Man is the world of man, state, society. This state and this society produce religion, which is an inverted consciousness of the world, because they are an inverted world. Dropping down a few lines. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. To call on them to give up their illusions about their condition is to call on them to give up a condition that requires illusions. The criticism of religion is, therefore, in embryo, the criticism of that veil of tears of which religion is the halo. Criticism has plucked the imaginary flowers on the chain, not in order that man shall continue to bear that chain without fantasy or consolation, but so that he shall throw off the chain and pluck the living flower. The criticism of religion disillusions man, so that he will think, act, and fashion his reality like a man who has discarded his illusions and regained his senses, so that he will move around himself as the true son. Religion is only the illusory sun, which revolves around man as long as he does not revolve around himself. It is, therefore, the task of history, once the other world of truth has vanished, to establish the truth of this world. It is the immediate task of philosophy, which is in the service of history, to unmask self-estrangement in its unholy forms, once the holy form of human self-estrangement has been unmasked. Thus the criticism of heaven turns into the criticism of earth. 
the criticism of religion into the criticism of law, and the criticism of theology into the criticism of politics. Man, says Marx, must learn to revolve around himself, because there is no reality outside of man. Reality is something human beings construct. For the Western tradition, whether or not it believed in God, there is a reality to which we must submit. Marxism, Hegelianism, throws off that reality and claims that we can construct our own reality. Social constructivism tells us that all things defined by humans, and everything is defined by humans, can be redefined by humans, including the very notion of human itself. Marx and the Marxists do this explicitly. The Marxist or socialist man is higher, and those troglodytes who oppose it are inhuman. All you need to do to verify this point is to note what happened in the Soviet Union. What is being hated in Hegelianism, in Marxism in particular, is the world itself, is reality itself. What the left is hating in the abortion debate is that women face natural restraints which they themselves have not adopted. They've not chosen them. Pro-choice is the ability to adopt our own, to craft our own reality. That is what is at stake here. Human beings either must submit to reality or they will try to make reality submit to them in an ever-increasingly radical way. This is the fundamental underlying conflict between the worldviews we are now fighting out in our culture. Either God exists, for those of us who are believers in God, or if you're an atheist, you may believe in reality. You may believe in the scientific view that there is an objective reality to which we must have submit ourselves. In either case, it is human beings who must submit their intellectual capacities to reality, or, on the alternate view, we make our reality. We create it. And that is the view of the left in today's world. We can craft our own reality and ignore the one that's given to us. Because it is substandard, we can make it better. They hate the world, they hate reality, and they demand that human beings craft a better world than the one we've been given. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Yes, right from Genesis. Mm-hmm. It, is, it goes all the way back to the very beginning. We can even trace it back to Lucifer if we want to, right? Exactly, um, we did do that. <laughs> I will set myself up above right. God. But certainly in the story of uh, Cain and Abel, right? A- Cain decided that he doesn't like the restrictions God put on, and he chose his own reality, and he killed his brother. Well, I hate to draw the analogy, but killing a baby in the womb is exactly that sort of thing. And I'm not trying to be unnuanced here. I'm not saying that there aren't occasions where truly balancing the distinction, truly balancing the interest between a baby in the womb and a mother who's alive, 
I would every time choose to save the life of the mother. And there is almost no, in fact, I don't think there is any legislation that does not make exceptions for the life of the mother. So don't give me that we are trying to kill women or that the left, the right hates women. We don't hate women. We love women. It is you who hate women. You hate that they are bearers of the life of the human race, that they have been given the special and beautiful role of carrying forward human life. You despise that. So you embrace this sort of mythical woman who can choose reality when we are embracing the fundamental reality of what human beings are as biological and social creatures. Sorry, love, I get awful excited. (laughs) (laughs) As you well know. (laughs) Um, Any last thoughts? Um, In a more real sense, instead of your hypothetical puppy analogy, um, I think of the shooting in Uvalde. Right. Huge news. Right. And the taking of the 19 children, the, the lives of 19 children. And we had looked up on the internet. What you, you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was really amazed by what you found. Yeah. Um, we looked up on the internet, the number of abortions per year, per County in Texas. And we figure the children, I'm guessing the children were about 10 years old that were killed. There were 19 of them killed. They were about 10 years old. That would take us back to 2012. To 2012, yeah. And the number of abortions in Uvalde County in 2012 was 40. 40. Twice the number. Twice the number of children that were killed that day. Um, Not all of those children would have been in that school or in that classroom. But, but... Those children didn't did not get a chance. Yeah, they didn't even get a chance at ten years. They, of life. Yeah, they didn't get a chance at ten years of life, and yet we're the left is horrified by the nineteen that are killed. But ten years before this, forty, 40 and nobody were even kill, cared. Were killed, and yeah, nobody couldn't care less, and, and they're never even acknowledged. Right. So we have we have created a holocaust in this country. One other topic that we've <laughs> one other topic that we've not even touched upon that we've talked about a lot this week mm-hmm. is this constant notion as we read through the um, the dissent uh-huh. that there is no responsibility on the part of the woman well, whatsoever. A pregnancy is just a miracle. A pe- a pre- just, yeah, it's like, just, you're walking down the street and suddenly yeah, what? Millions of Virgin Marys walking <laughs> about. They're just walking about and suddenly. They've been infected by this by pathology. This, yes, exactly. And that, that actually led me to a point that I that I wanted to reinforce. The left only has two views exactly. of the fetus. Mm-hmm. It is either a pathology, something right. bad that's happened to us, analogous to a cancer, right. that can be excised or, or a, should be excised at will, or it is a means to an end. Right. But it's never, in the Kantian sense, an end in itself. Right. They've answered that question in Roe. Right. It is exactly. not a value in itself. Mm-hmm. It is something that can be dispensed with at, at will. will. Exactly. Right. And no moral consequences. That's what it is. It's just a clump of cells. Just as someone said to us recently on the on the um, on Facebook, it's just a sperm and an egg. What's the big deal? Right. Um, but, but if you can but draw you, the line you, there. 
you were making the point where it just it, the if you read through the dissent, the one thing that struck me over and over and over again was that this just happened by chance. Yeah, it's like, like oh man, I'm right. pregnant. And, How? And I what had a revolting nothing, circumstance. Right, and I had nothing to do with <laughs> nothing it. Nothing to do with all. it whatsoever. Exactly. No. Yep. And I would think the choice should start there. Yep. You choose to go into a bar and drink or say, no, I'm not going to go in and drink. If you choose to go in and drink and you get drunk and then you drive home, you whether you hurt somebody or whether you get pulled over and you get in trouble, you have to you have to deal with those consequences. Yeah. Yeah. There are consequences to actions. Right. Everything. And it, it's like and you said <laughs> you want to put blinders on and not see that there's a responsibility exactly. on the other side. Exactly. And this is killing a life. The cavalier treatment of that is right. astounding. Right. And of course, that sets us up for next week, reading exactly. this article that says, yeah, we should Normalizing just... Normalizing and saying... Not feel bad about killing. Right. It's okay. And so when a pro-lifer says, you're killing an unborn baby, the uh, pro-choicer says, I'm pro-choice and I am pro... What did she Pro-death if I decide to but be. What did, I'm the one who gets to decide she, Exactly. That. What did she say? I don't remember. So I'm pro-choice and pro... You can say, I am killing, I am killing a baby. And... There's nothing wrong with it. Should be my choice. Right. And that is exactly what it's become. Up until now, it was, oh, it's just a clump of cells and it's not a human life. It's changing. The argument is changing. The argument has constantly changed and and evolved. And and they move the goalposts over and and over again. And they want to start all of us thinking in terms of, yes, we are killing a baby. Nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. nothing wrong with that. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening and remember You can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.